well it is it's really special for me to be here thanks mike uh, it's great to see some old faces that i've known for a long time it's fantastic it gives me great joy to see new faces as well and people that i haven't met the whole idea of this place of course is it's great that we can worship here and be together this church family uh, but we want to see don't we many come to christ in this town we want to be uh, and as you already are, a light that starts to shine out right in the middle of South End. that hopefully uh, we know that there are many lost, many uh, struggling in this place, and it'd be great, uh, and it is great to see uh, new people coming to church. So uh, an honour for me to come and preach. Um, again, yeah, my name is Reverend Tom Lowe, the vicar at St Michael's up the road. Uh, so thanks, Mike, for the invitation. Trinity Sunday, uh, a very special Sunday. Um, when we think about who our God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, you might think, oh, I haven't got my head around that before, our God being three persons who are one. You might sort of think, yeah, I can get my head around Jesus a little bit. Not sure who's the Holy Spirit, and yes, I can understand God the Father. But what we're going to do today is just try and understand a little by seeing um, Understanding the Trinity by seeing what they do in Scripture, how they live out their life together as three persons who together are this one God. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 1. I don't know if you've brought a Bible with you or whether it's going to come up on the screen or not. I didn't give them advance warning, so maybe not. But John chapter 1, uh, sorry, John chapter 3, excuse me, I'm mad already. John chapter 3, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 17. John chapter 3, 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I just pray once more, I know Mike's already prayed, but I'd love to just pray for us as we come to these words uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into this world to live, love and die for us. And we thank you now that by your Spirit, who is the wonderful member of the Trinity, who breathed life into the Scriptures, can now breathe that same life, Father, of yours into our hearts and minds this morning to see and know the truth of who you are. May you come into our hearts this morning through the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. If you're unfamiliar with that chapter before, you may have been able to track along with this story of Jesus with this man Nicodemus. But really, all I'm going to do this morning is just focus on the one verse. And it's probably a verse you know quite well. And it's verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Hands up if you know that verse quite well. I bet you've got it written on a bit of paper or a poster in your house or whatever. Very famous verse. It's one that we are taught as youngsters, as Christians, or when we first come to faith. Memorise this one because it summarises the whole gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We've got God the Father, for God so loved. We've got God the Son, who was sent by God, and I think we're going to squeeze in the Holy Spirit here who brings life to each and every one of us that we might not perish. All right, here we go. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Yesterday, uh, we've all, I was on the school run this week, taking our kids to school, and was it on Thursday or Friday that the weather suddenly changed to being quite nice? And literally everyone was on the way to school, virtually skipping, parents skipping, everyone was, hi, isn't the world brilliant, isn't life excellent, because the sun has come out, yeah? And because uh, the weather's changed, I got out the barbecue this weekend. Get the barbecue out, uh, it had about a layer of mould that thick, had to scrub all that off because it's been a while. And we had some friends round and we had our first barbecue of the season. Anyone had their first barbecue of the season? Well, James has barbecues all year round, no matter the weather, but it was the first barbecue of the season. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love barbecues. Uh, I generally actually love food. Um, And I get worried about this time of year, because rather than getting beach ready, I'm going the opposite direction, because uh, I love food so much. I I haven't met anyone who doesn't say, oh, I love food. I've got all my favourite foods, and I struggle with not eating too much food. Because generally we love food, don't we? But when I say that I love food, right, that doesn't mean that I love all food. Do you know what I mean? I love the wrong foods, perhaps. (laughs) But, you know, put some leaves in front of me and some berries and nuts. I'm not such a lover of food. Put all the the things I probably shouldn't like. I love food. When you say something, I love food, you all know that there's probably a few things that you don't love, don't mean all food. 
So sometimes, though, as Christians, when we come to a verse like this and it says, for God so loved the world, automatically in our minds we go, well, maybe not all the world. Yeah, generally a lot of things in the world, but maybe not all the world. We might say, oh, yeah, yeah, God loves the Grand Canyon, uh, but does he like the rubbish tip over in Leon Sea or South End? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he loves, you know, the national parks and the rainbows and the, the butterflies, but he doesn't like the dirty, dingy, horrible, run-down places. Or you might go a bit further, you might say, well, of course God loves nice people, kind people, like they're all learning at the Sunday school how to be kind people. God loves kind and good and obedient people, but does he love everyone? Does he love those that are actually really not nice, who've done dreadful and awful things, or people who have committed horrible kinds of crimes? Yes, he loves the Mother Teresas and the Captain Toms of this world, but does he love those who've made no contribution whatsoever, a bit like me? Does he love the people that have actually abused and taken advantage of his world and done greedy and nasty things? Do you see what I mean? When we say, yeah, God loves the world, does it mean the whole lot? It does. It really does. God so loved the world. All of it. And everything in it from the nice places to the hard and difficult places, to the lovely, smiley, happy people, to the broken and in the dirt and in the ditch people, and everything in between. So when it says God so loved the world, and what I mean by this is God the Father, God the Father in heaven, so loved the world, It does, and absolutely does, include you, whoever you are, listening, either online, in this room, or as soon as we step out that doors, uh, those doors, anyone we come across, God the Father loves them. Because sometimes I suspect that some of us feel a little bit unlovable. Sometimes we think we're a little bit unworthy of God the Father's love. Or we compare ourselves to others and think, well, maybe God has some kind of affection for me, but he doesn't love me as much as he loves this person, because I haven't got my life together. In fact, it's going the other way, it's falling apart. No, for God so loved the world, that includes you. It includes me. He doesn't have favourites like I do with my foods. He loves us all equally and the same. And his love knows no limits for you. His love knows, my love has limits. Even for my own children, I have to say. <laughs> There's times when you're like, oh, I just can't, you know, and you can't quite keep it together and you act impatiently or with angry manner or whatever. My love lo- does no limits. 
and I have to take time off and I have to, you know, me time and all that sort of thing because my love has, has limits. I know we like to say, uh, you know, we love without limits, but do we? Mine has limits. God the Father's love has no limits. And we can see that in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He gave his one and only Son. Um, I don't often venture onto eBay, um, but I have from time to time. I've gone onto eBay to search for something I need or want. And uh, a few years ago, I was looking for a bicycle that I wanted to buy, a very specific one. So I was looking for it, found one I liked, looked like the right kind of price. And then it said, um, if you're going to purchase it, you have to go and get it as well. And it turned out it was like 300 miles north of here. And I thought, oh, uh, no, I didn't buy it. It was too far. And I thought the distance and the travel, um, it's just too far for me to, to sort of uh, justify buying it and going to get it. There was a limit to how much I wanted, how badly I wanted that bicycle. And maybe you've had some experiences. We all have a value and a price on how far we would go for something that we want. So if that distance was too far for me for that thing, when it says here that God so loved the world, the Father loved the world so much, that he sent his one and only Son, there is no distance too far for God to want to go and get you. How badly does God the Father want you? That he would send his son, not on a 200-mile journey up north, that will take a day or two. He sent his son from heaven, his eternal son, his one and only son, from heaven to earth. That's, I don't know how many miles that is. Maybe quite a few. But that's not just, that's not the end of the journey. God the Father sent him further still. He didn't just send Jesus to, uh, you know, like the Cotswolds. Or, or, you know, nice place in the Lake District. He sent him to the hardest places on earth to make sure that everyone got included. He sent Jesus to a very poor place, born into a poor family. He sent Jesus, his son, to an oppressed people who were under oppression and slavery, etc. He sent Jesus to a people who were desperately in need of being set free. Not just physically, you know, the Romans oppressing them. He sent Jesus to a place where people are spiritually captive too. And this is important. Because the distance that Jesus made, that the Father sent his Son, was not just geographical distance. But he had to send him to some of the hardest places of even the human heart. He had to send Jesus to engage with and love and serve and die for the very worst types of people. That's the kind of distance God had to send Jesus. The lengths he would go to to save everyone. He couldn't just go that far to save these people. He had to go this far to include a wider group. And then he had to go to the very furthest places of human nature to win the very most broken, very most, the most broken, 
and the most sinful. He had to go all the way. And it didn't stop there, did it? He had to go even further. He had to go to the grave to make sure that everyone's included. To the grave. You know, one of the things I'm always, uh, when I come down here, you see there's a huge graveyard outside, don't you? And you think, are they included? Yep. Jesus went to the grave. That distance. What were the lengths God the Father was prepared to go to to save every person he loved? Well, it had to be to the grave. The extent of God the Father's love knows no limits. And it wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't easy for Jesus to do it. But he was willing, because he too loves us. It wasn't easy for him. His journey took immense sacrifice on his behalf. You know, I barely like leaving the house to go on a journey. I like to stay in the comfort of my own home with all the things around me. Jesus had to leave heaven, make sacrifices to go to the places that we've just talked about. Um, there's a family in our church, and it just so happens they're here today as well. <laughs> the Stratford family over there. You're you not going to believe that I included you in an illustration in my sermon, and you actually happen to be here as well. But the Stratfords uh, um, have a daughter, I think she might have gone to the, uh, out to the group, who is a fantastic diver. Is that what you call them, divers? You know, uh, Olympic-sized swimming pool at Garen's. And uh, she's an excellent diver, one of the top in the country, I believe, for her age group. And she can do all the twists and turns and dive into a swimming pool. Because uh, you know Garen's has got an Olympic-sized swimming pool. It was used uh, for the Olympics, etc. Uh, and I know there's another family who's into diving as well. But when I spoke to the family about what it takes to get uh, their daughter to that level of diving, requires great sacrifice, doesn't it? Early starts before school, after school, journeys to and from the swimming pool, and I believe it was something like up to 20 hours on top of all your school life to do the training. A lot, isn't it? A lot of sacrifices, time, money, effort. There's probably tears involved, times you only want to give up. But in order to achieve that great achievement, it takes great sacrifice. Now, for Jesus... In order to demonstrate his love for everyone, had to make extreme sacrifices. From day one of his life, born as a, to the Virgin Mary, to the very day he died and beyond. He had to give extreme commitment and dedication to loving us. He not only had to be focused on his mission, he couldn't get distracted. Can you imagine that? As Jesus is growing up, he decides, hey, you know, this saving of the world thing, Father, sounds really great, but I'm actually really into, you know, football. Or I'm really into, I just want to become an actor, actually. And, or I just want to, you know, start a business and make a success, retire by the med somewhere. Right? No, from day one, Jesus had to be utterly focused, didn't he? Because he knew... He loved the world and so did his father. This is what it would take. He had to also 
be utterly sinless in his life. He had to every moment not choose the same mistakes we make every single day. Why? Because if he's going to rescue people, he can't be in the same problem as them. He can't be in the same pit as us if he's going to rescue us. You know, if you're on a boat that's sinking, it's no good if, uh, everyone is, if the rescuer is on the boat as well, sinking with you. He had to be outside to come and rescue us, and so therefore he couldn't be in the same problem as us, couldn't make the same mess and mistakes as we do. Now you imagine that, Jesus, every single day of his life, always had to be and was loving and kind, considerate, laying down his own life for others in every moment of every day. And he didn't just do that because he wants to be, hey, look how holy I am. He did it because he knew I have to be stay holy so that I can save these people. So he had amazing commitment and sacrifice. And he had to have heart. He had to have heart. He had to have courage and strength and determination to do what he did. Great sacrifices Jesus went to, the pain, the effort, the difficulty. So that, here we are, going back to our verse, for God the Father so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, shall have eternal life, shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus had to make himself available to everyone, everyone. Not just some people like we thought, but to everyone. My local MP where I live is uh, David Amos. Some of you might know that or be in the same constituency. Um, and I just checked on his uh, website that if you want to have a meeting with David Amos, um, he's available um, for his surgery hours in Leoncey every first and third Friday of the month between 10 and 1. Every third, first and third Friday of the month between 10 and 1. In other words, he's not very available. <laughs> you have to specifically choose your time and your moment. There's probably a long waiting list. He's not exactly, well, we understand that. He's limited, he's got busy life, and I'm not blaming him for that. But God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall have life. Jesus wanted to make himself available to everyone and anyone at any time. How does he do that? Well, you see it in the Gospels in his life, don't you? As he's walking around in Israel with his friends, uh, teaching and preaching and doing miracles, you see that in his life, don't you? That he makes himself available, like from morning till evening, every hour of the day he's got anyone who's there he gives time to and attention to and help to. He sees them, he hears them, and he knows what they need and he gives it to them. Anyone and everyone. But of course, even that is quite limited, isn't it? Because maybe there were some at the edge of the crowd that couldn't push through to get to him. But to make himself available to everyone, including you and me today, and to every person who's lived throughout the, the generations, he made himself available by being nailed to a cross and lifted up high so that everyone from miles around could see him 
dying on a cross. Everyone could look up and see him. And not just those who were there that day, but we too can still look up and see him dying on a cross through the scriptures, through the word. We see him there. He's made himself available. He's made his love known to us in every generation through his death on the cross. So that whoever comes to him can have life. So, God the Father loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. This is where the Holy Spirit comes into it. God the Father sends his Son, so that as the Son makes himself available to everyone, He pours out his life, Jesus, his blood shed, his breath breathed out to the very last of all the life that Jesus has. He pours it out so that whoever comes to him can partake of his life. You know, the scriptures say that God the Father gives Jesus the Holy Spirit without measure. That's in the scriptures. God the Father pours out his life into his Son, who is the Spirit. Can you picture that for a second? I I forgot to bring it with me, but picture I have a glass in my hand and a jug in my hand full of water, right? Imagine that jug full of water is the Father and the water is his life, who is the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Can you picture that? And God the Father pours out his life and his love into his Son. Do you see that? You can see the glass filling up. It doesn't really work with that. I'm I'm doing the best I can here with my props. And he pours out his life, the Spirit, onto Jesus. Do you remember Jesus' baptism? You might see that. God the Father pouring out the Spirit upon the Son as the dove comes down on Jesus. And he's filling up Jesus with his life so that Jesus becomes this fountain of life that anyone who comes to him experiences the Holy Spirit, the eternal life of the Father poured out upon the Son. And Jesus is so full of life that even before the world began, he was so full of life that he created everything, Jesus. God the Father created the whole world through his Son as he poured out this life on Jesus. Jesus was so full of life, he could create the mountains and the flowers and the animals and... Uh, everything else you see, the stars, the oceans, the fish, the humans. God the Father pours out his life into the Son, that the Son's life overflows and he can create all this, right? Right. So on the cross then, what does it mean that Jesus poured out his life to the last drop till he had none left? If he had so much life within that he could create everything we see and more, what does it mean then that Jesus breathed out his last and he died and his blood was poured out to the last drop? It means means he gave it all. It means now that anyone who comes to Jesus, there's a, anyone who comes to Jesus can now have his eternal life 
And our salvation costs Jesus more life than creating the whole world. The life you can now have as a Christian, as you breathe in the Holy Spirit and have life in Jesus' name, is the breath that Jesus breathed out to the last and he had none left for himself. That's love, isn't it? That means that whoever, not just the inner circle of holy people, not just the nice parts of the world, means that anyone who looks to Christ as he makes himself available for all people can take in the life that Jesus gave out, the Spirit of God, and breathe him in and take life into ourselves. Whoever. That's why I'm so excited about this church plant here at St. John's, is that's really our mission. Our mission ever since as Christians has been to go out into all the world and make new friends of Jesus, to bring the life of Jesus from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, out to all the world and everyone in it, to a world that is perishing and cannot find life without Jesus. And so we're a part of that. You are a part of that. You are bringing the life of Jesus to a dying world. You, as a Christian, have been loved by the Father. You have been saved by the Son, and you have been given life by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this on Trinity Sunday Please, Father, give us a fresh revelation of your undying love for us. Or more than that, your dying love for us. Father, help us see even a glimpse of how wonderful your Son is. The sacrifices he made. The life he poured out. And may we just be captivated by him. And then, Father, as we come to Jesus for salvation, may you breathe the breath of life into us. And where we're perishing, where we are feeling broken and dying, may your spirit bring resurrection life. And then, Father, send us out. May more and more people come to know your son through this church, through the life that happens here, through the fellowship, through the love, through the joy, through the kindness, through our own sacrifices, for the joy that we have in Jesus' name. And so we thank you, both now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>